as I was praying about this message and preparing, um, I felt like the Lord just give me kind of this fresh vision and even why, like I said, yes to this position and felt like the Lord was leading me in here. And I felt like he reminded me of that picture that he showed me. And I feel like God has placed on my heart tonight that he has a word like for all of us and for our community, like as a whole. And I look at like the people in this room, like every single one of you guys in here, and I'm honestly like in awe and wonder. I'm like, Lord, there's so many leaders in here. There's so many men and women of God in this room. There's so many people who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and they're not satisfied with anything else. And we're all together in one place. Like I look around this room, I see little matches, like individual matches all together. And now the Lord's brought us all in here and we're like one huge campfire, just like burning bright for the Lord. And it brings me, and it leaves me in awe and wonder, but it also leaves me with this question, like why? Why? Like I don't think God brought us all together here just so we, we could, he could watch us burn and be like, okay, that's cool. All right, guys, see you later. Like, I feel like, and the more I, that I've prayed and the more that I've pressed into this, I feel like God has us together for, for such a time as this, like to affect the world that is around us. And I, I firmly believe like with all my heart that God wants to use this community to deeply affect the city of Granville and greater Grand Rapids. And I believe like literally, as I was praying, I felt so strongly. I literally believe that there are thousands of people that are going to be impacted because of the people in this room saying yes to Jesus. Like thousands. And as we're singing this song of the Father is welcoming, this is our homecoming, I literally see individual people. I'm looking around and I see each of you guys like out in front and walking and behind you, there's a whole host of people as we're all just approaching Jesus. We're carrying, we get the privilege to carry and lead a whole host of people with us. And I just see us all walking together and there's just numerous, numerous, countless people all following behind us because of the yes that we give to Jesus, because of the simple obedience we can give to him. And as I'm in this, as I'm seeing this picture, instantly my mind just starts working overtime. I'm like, okay, Lord, how are we gonna do it? Let's strategize. Okay, how can we get as many people out sharing the gospel at this time? Maybe I could call this person, he could come and then share and then we could go. And I'm, I'm like talking and like going all through all this and then, one of the thoughts that comes to my mind is, what, maybe I should pray and ask the Lord first. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Probably pray. So I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with this community? I see us all together. I see the purpose that it could be like, what is it going to do? And in the midst of like all of my racing thoughts, God's still small voice broke in. And he spoke something really, really sweet to my heart that filled me with a supernatural peace. And he said, Jared, before we go, we have to grow. Before we go, we have to grow. And it's crazy because as we, as a access leadership team, we've been praying and asking God for direction on where he wants us to go for this next year. And with the whole new transition, with me stepping in, where, where, are we supposed to, where are we supposed to be? Where are we supposed to go? Access, our community, our mission statement here at Access is to equip young adults and mobilize young adults in identity, evangelism, 
community through 242 and the scriptures. So we were specifically asking God, which one of these emphases, which one of these focuses, expressions, which one of these expressions do you want us to focus on for this year? And we felt as a leadership team that the Lord was leading us into a time of focusing on the scriptures, focusing on the word of God. And I think it's deeply connected to this thing that the Lord spoke to me before we go, we have to grow because how do we grow? That leaves you with the question, how do we grow? How do we grow as Christians? How do we grow? It's very clear and the Bible makes it very clear. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 through chapter 2, verse 2, this is what it says. I think we have it up on the screen here. It says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, Love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord stands or endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Do we catch that? First Peter 2, he's writing to a community of believers that are under intense persecution. And he's saying to, he's saying to them, listen, in this intense persecution, you have to make sure that you grow. And how are you going to grow? You have to cling tightly to the word of God. You have to cling tightly to the word of God. And that's where I feel like God is leading all of us. And as we go forward with this next year, we are going to be focusing a lot on the word of God. We're going to be focusing a lot on the Bible. And we're going to be asking questions like, how do I study the Bible? How do I get the most out of the Bible? What is the Bible all about? What does the Bible mean to me? How should I relate to the Bible? All of these different things. And the goal of all of it is that we as a community not that we would just learn more about the Bible here, but that we would go home and by ourselves, like Jesus says in Matthew 6, we would close our doors and we would seek him in secret with our Bibles open. We would seek him in secret. That's where we're heading and that's what we feel like the Lord has called us to and is leading us into. And I'm like super excited. I want to fall more in love with this book every single day. Like, I want to I learn new things about the Bible. The crazy thing is that God wrote a book. Like, God wrote a book. How many, how many books have we read and we've like handed them out to people and we're like, dude, this book changed my life. Like, you got to read it. And they're like, who was it by? Oh, I can't remember. Let me Google it real quick. And then you look up the name and they're like, I'm ordering on Amazon right now. Like, God wrote a book. He did. We don't have to wonder what his will is anymore. We don't have to wonder what his character is like. Like it's all in here and it's waiting for us. It's waiting for us. God wants to reveal himself through the scriptures, through his word. He wants to speak to us using the scriptures. He wants to speak to us. And so as we go tonight, my one goal really tonight in speaking is kind of like a foundational message. 
You're gonna hear probably a lot of verses that you've heard before, but I encourage you don't check out because I believe God has something really powerful for each and every one of you as we, as we look at the scriptures. The, the main point or the main message that I'm hoping to convey tonight is that the Bible, the entirety of the Bible, all 66 books written by 40 different people, all of the Bible is the living and breathing word of God. And as Christians, we should relate to the scriptures as the prevailing authority in our life. That's, that's what I hope we, we cover tonight, is that the Bible is the living, breathing word of God. And as Christians, we should relate to scriptures, to the word of God as the prevailing authority in our life. So, first point, here we go. The Bible is a living document. It's a living document. It's not just a closed book. Like the Bible is the only book in all of history where the author literally speaks to you while you're reading it. The only book. And he actually wants to explain this book to you. It's a living and breathing document. It's not just some dead moral handbook. It's not just a set of suggestions or rules for you to follow. It's a living, breathing document. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And I was doing some research about that verse earlier. And that word living, oh man, this really got me. This word living, this is like a little bit of a, this is an excerpt from like a commentary on Romans or on Hebrews 4 verse 12. And this is how it, it defined the word living there. The word of God is living and active, sharper than two any, two, any two-edged sword. So that word living, it means having vital power in itself and exerting that same power upon the soul. I'm going to read that one more time having vital power in itself and exerting that same power upon the soul. That's what it means when it says the word of God is living. It's got, it's got power just in this, just innately in the Bible. There's power here. And the power that's in here also extends out to you to get what's in the power that's in here inside of you. And you have to ask gang like, but Jared, I don't feel like power whenever I read the word. Like sometimes I open this thing and like I'm pulling one of these. Like, you know, I'm kind of like dozing off or, you know, kind of drooling on my pages here. Like sometimes I read this book and I don't necessarily feel like it's powerful. Sometimes, sometimes I wake up in the morning and honestly, like it's not really my, my desire to pick up the Bible. Or even throughout the day, like maybe it's not even my desire. Like I honestly, sometimes I got to force myself to crack open this book as if the, the front cover weighs 100 pounds. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, Jeremiah 52, you know, like, <laughs> and then you read it all and it doesn't make sense. And you're like, okay, I don't know what to do. But I want to encourage you is that the power that resides in this book has power to, it exerts its power upon you, whether you feel it or not whether you want this book or not. 
the power that's in here, the transformation power that takes you from a newborn babe in the Lord, like a guy who doesn't really know much, that takes you into a mature man of God, that power, that transforming power and the maturity of our discipleship process with the Lord, that transforming power, it hits you every time you open this book. It's living, it's breathing, and we get to have one by our bedside. Like, what? Like the living, breathing power of God is sitting, it's sitting right next to me while I sleep. But how many times, I'm guilty of it, how many times do I just leave it there and I leave the power of God just shut up between the front and back cover of this book. I leave it there. We need to crack it open. Let that life-giving, that living word of God that carries power of transformation, let's, let's get it into us, right? Whether we feel it or whether we don't. Because the power has, or the word has the power to transform us. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Other translations will say, all scripture is God-breathed and is profitable or useful for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. I'm actually gonna flip there in my Bible real quick. 2 Timothy 3.16. If you wanna turn there with me, feel free. 2 Timothy 3.16. I want to read that, the verse that's right after that. We don't have it up on the screen, but 2 Timothy, it's in the New Testament, kind of near the end of your Bible. Okay, here we go. All scripture is God-breathed, verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. And then this is, this is the purpose of scripture, verse 17, it says, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I'm gonna read that one more time. That the man of God may be complete. Another way to say that is not lacking in anything. Complete, thoroughly equipped, not just barely, not just barely equipped, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is exactly what we're talking about, is we're growing before we're going. All scripture is God-breathed. And we're gonna, we're gonna go through all of these things. We're gonna find that the word of God is useful for reproof, for correction and instruction and righteousness. And as we're built up, as we grow in the word of God, then he's gonna send us out from this place that we, as a community, would be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is a living document and God loves to speak to you about his word. And sometimes it's at like inopportune moments or not inopportune moments, just moments that I guess you wouldn't really expect. I remember there was one time, one time I was in a funeral and I was like sitting in the pew and at that time, I was trying to memorize the whole first chapter of John. And so I was like in ver- chapter or verse 12 and 13, which says, but to those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were not born of blood, nor by the will of man, nor by the bill of flesh or the will of the flesh, but born of God. And that, I was, that was the part that I was parked on. That was the one I was trying to memorize at that time. 
And I wasn't even thinking about John chapter one at all. I wasn't. But I was just sitting in this funeral and then all of a sudden, the Lord said to me, he said, Jared, you, like I am your father. You were born of me. And he showed me this like crazy revelation about how I needed a new father. Like my father, as great as he is, a lot of you guys know my dad. He's amazing. I love him. But he, had, he has flaws just like we all do, right? And I needed a new father, a perfect father. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment. He said, Jared, I am your father. And instantly in this funeral, I just start bawling like a baby. I guess of all places, that was probably a good place for it to happen, you know. But I kind of felt bad because I think the family thought I was like crying for them. But I like was just genuinely just like, I didn't, it was nice though. I didn't have to hold back. I could just blubber as loud as I want because everyone else was too. So anyway, but... God wants to speak to you like outside of a church context, outside of this church context. He wants his living and active word to come alive in you, to come alive in you. And he wants to speak those kind of things to you. So in the word of God, the word of God does have a specific meaning, right? So when we read, when we read portions of scripture, it does have like a literal meaning that it meant to those exact people, right? Just like we read in Second Peter, it says, you know, Peter was writing that book with intention to that church that he was, that was actually going through intense persecution. And he was giving those exact directions by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to that specific church. So there is like a literal meaning to scripture that we find through context, through the history, through culture, that we can find that exact and literal meaning to scripture, but there's also an application that we can receive from any type of scripture that applies to our own life. So for example, like James 1 verse 2, it says, it says, count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So James he was writing to a specific church who was undergoing a lot of persecution, a lot of trials. And he's saying, hey, even in the midst of all of these, count it joy. He's saying, look beyond your current circumstances and see what God is trying to do in your heart. Count it joy that he's actually taking you through these trials, right? So that's what he meant to that specific church. But me, as in 2022, reading that, not in that church that James was writing to, I can take that and maybe I just had something terrible happen in my life. Maybe my grandma passes away. Maybe my dad, you know, has a health complication, goes in the hospital. Maybe whatever it is. And I can say, you know what? God is actually doing something way deeper in me than what I see in the surface. And so while I'm going to mourn, all of those different things properly, I'm still going to count it joy because God is doing something in my life. So there's a, like a literal one meaning to the different scriptures, but there's also like an application that we can give and we can get from the Bible. So, so that's a little bit of the question of what is the Bible. As we're, st- as we're centering in on the scriptures for this next period of time, we wanna have a correct view of the Bible. What is it? It's the living, breathing word of God. It's not just a moral handbook. It's the living, breathing word of God. So now the next question today that I wanna cover very briefly and kind of do an overview on is how should I as a Christian relate to the Bible? What authority should it place, should it have in my life? And this is what I want to say. This is point number two. The Bible is the prevailing authority in, the Christian, in a Christian's life. 
That word prevailing just means it's above every other. Like it's above every other authority in my life. The Bible is the prevailing authority. And we'll use again, Hebrews four, verse 12 to kind of expound this point a little bit. But it says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of a heart of the heart. So again, we'll focus on that last part of that verse. It says, the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So what does that mean? It's a discerner of the thoughts, intents, and heart. You know what it means? It means that you might be reading the Bible and God might just slap you right upside the head and say, hey, bro, you're not living this right now. He might do that. And the Holy Spirit, he's got a good backhand, let me tell you. The Bible may bring some conviction to your life. You might read the Bible and there might be even a thought that you've had or even a belief that you had that doesn't line up with scripture. And when that happens, what Hebrews 4 verse 12 is alluding to, what it's getting at is we as a people of God are supposed to submit to the Bible and say, I don't know everything, but I want to submit my life to the Bible. I wanna take this as the top authority. I don't want to be right in my own eyes. I wanna be right in God's eyes and God's standard, his will is revealed to us in the scripture. And as a Christian, it's our responsibility. It's not just we should, it's not just we could, it's not just it might be a good idea. It's our responsibility to submit to the word of God. Proverbs 3, verse five through six, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Submit to him in all your ways and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Submit to him in all your ways and he will make your path straight. We have to understand something that this verse and what it's telling us to do here in Proverbs is wildly different from everything that culture is screaming at us right now. This is wildly different. And if we actually live in submission to God's word, like we are going to be countercultural. That's what we're gonna be. We're gonna stand out. And Jesus actually said we would stand out. He said, Matthew 5, if you remember, he said, we'll be like a city on a hill that can't be hinted. We'll be the light of the world. Like when we really do submit our lives to scripture, it's gonna be so different. Because the world screams, do what's right in your own eyes. You know what's best for your life. Do what seems right to you. You have ultimate authority over your life. Nobody else knows you like you know you. So you should do what you feel is right. And I got news for you. That lifestyle, doing what's right in your own eyes is only gonna lead you to a path of destruction. It's only, that's all it's gonna do. Because you're looking to yourself for fulfillment and you're falling in and of yourself. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it. If we only go with what is right in our own eyes, we're gonna fall so badly short of what God has called us to do. The book of Proverbs has some powerful things to say about the way that seems right or the way that seems right to you or being right in your own eyes. Proverbs 6, verse 25, it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, 
but its end is the way of death. So I might be reading scripture and I might say, really, love your enemies? Really, honor your mom and dad? Really, pray for those who curse you? I don't know, that doesn't seem right to me. What seems right to me is, is to harbor that unforgiveness, to get back at that person for what they, do you, you don't understand. The Bible doesn't know what they did to me. That's the way that seems right to you. And I'm here to tell you today, that way is gonna lead to death. It's gonna lead to destruction. Proverbs 12, verse 15, it says, the way of a fool is wrong in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Just because you feel good about a decision that you made, just because you think it's right and you think, the Bible doesn't place you anywhere above a fool at that point. He says even the fool believes that what he's doing and what he's walking in is the right thing. Like he just genuinely convinced himself that what he's doing is the right thing. And that's so like, that's so mind boggling. And honestly, it, it leaves me with a fear of the Lord that man, I've done it. I've done it in my own life. Like I've deceived myself and convinced myself that a way that was contrary to this book was actually the best way for my life. And I've reasoned and I've justified and I've said, oh, but if I do this, then I'm actually doing something that God would like. And then oh, but I'm, I'm loving this person, so that's why I have to cross a boundary here, cross a boundary there. And that's like, that's not it. That's, again, that's the way that seems right to a man. That's being right in your own eyes. We need, we, especially as college students, young adults, we need this, we need the scriptures. We need the scriptures to direct our life. This, this, and staying in this book, staying in this book, reading it and allowing God to draw us in relationship to him through this book, this is what's gonna keep us steady in a world that is all wishy-washy, up and down. Left is right, right is left. This book is gonna keep us steady. It's gonna keep us steady. As we're going forward, even beyond this night, and as we surround the scriptures, we want to be a people who are rooted in God's word. That we get so much, we get so much fullness out of the word of God. We receive nutrients, we receive life from the word of God. We want to be a people who are established on the word of God. That we're not going to veer to the left or to the right. We're not going to be swayed by people's opinions. We're going to be established and set on the word of God. And lastly, we want to be people who are devoted to the word of God. We want to be the people who don't just read the Bible when it's convenient. We don't want to just pick this book up every once in a while. We want to be devoted to it. And that's kind of the language we're using to kind of surround the scriptures is this rooted, established, devoted, the acronym is red. And that's a little bit funny. That's okay but rooted, established, and devoted to God's word. That's, that's who we are as an access community. And let me just give one last little point here before we close for tonight. You might be sitting here and you're saying, Jared, as you're speaking, 
I feel like so convicted. Like I feel like, man, I'm not seeking God through the scriptures like I should be. And I don't know, I don't know even if I can like be here at this community if we're going after the scriptures like you say we're gonna go after. Like I feel like I don't belong with these people who are searching after scriptures because I'm not at your level. And let me just speak a clarifying leveling word here is there's no level to reach. There's no standard to meet. We're all on a journey and on a process with the Lord together. And my, my goal for all of you guys is not that you would read X amount of verses or the whole Bible three times before the end of the year. Like I'm not setting any standard on you guys when I say we wanna be people of a word. My goal is just to inspire you to take one step deeper one step closer into the word. What does that look like for you? Maybe you've never opened up the Bible before. Maybe you've never actually read it for yourself, by yourself. Maybe that's your first step. I need to open up the word when I get home. Maybe you have been opening up the word on a you know, semi-consistent basis. Maybe your step is saying, I, I need to make this consistent, but I'm not just gonna do it by myself. I need to bring this person with me because I know I can't do it on my own. Maybe your step tonight is, man, I am consistently in the word of God. I am consistently in it. But honestly, I'm just kind of doing it to check off a box. And I'm not really in it for relationship with God. So you need to take time to ask God and pray through the scripture and ask him to meet you in that place. There's a step for all of us to take. There is a step. And that's the beauty of our relationship with God is we never arrive. We always, there's always more of him, more in our discipleship journey that we get to walk on together. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful.